So we developed a, a three tree system, which means that uh, you've got suspension and tension um, creating an almost flat uh, trampoline style floor, which is really comfortable to sleep on, very spacious and uncrowding. Um, and also you are able to do it with uh, friends. So it's less solitary than hammock camping. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 201, Innovative Outdoor Products Series with Sensor and Tensile. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is sponsored by BiotropicLabs.com, custom formulators and sports performance supplements for active people like you. Designed for everyone from weekend warriors and outdoor enthusiasts to high-level athletes, if your body moves, you need Biotropic. Hey guys, Travis here. I thought I would do a new innovative outdoor products series where I talk to inventors and founders of companies who have cool new products in the outdoor industry. I'm usually looking through publications on a daily basis to see what's going on in the world of adventure and outdoors, and I often come across these products, and I think they're pretty cool, and thought I might share them with you. So let's uh, see how this goes, and do me a favor and leave some comments down below the post so I know if you like them or don't like them, or maybe you want to change something about them. So let me know what you think. Let's get on with it. All right, with me now is Casey Hauser, and Casey is from Sensor, um, Sensor.com, and it's X-E-N-S-R, and this is a cool gadget. Um, so you guys know we got you know certain GPS trackers out there that basically show you your coordinates. You can take a KML file and you drop it onto Google Earth, and you can say, oh, that's the track I rode, you know, single track I did, and check that out. Well, these guys take that... Um, like a whole generation further and we're going to have Casey tell us more about it from, but the gist of it is they're measuring so many data points from altitude and your speed and your GPS coordinates, as well as the spatial, um, you know, proximity of your mountain bike or your surfboard or your, or your wind server. So we're going to dig into that and, uh, we're going to have Casey tell you a little bit more about sensor. So Casey Hauser, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Travis, for having us. Yeah, we're really excited and uh, and uh, to talk about Sensor here and uh, and yeah, just this new product and like you said, just a, a further generation on something that's become pretty household um, in the last you know ten years as far as GPS tracking for for basically anything and and into sports and um, you know a lot of companies and a lot of people looked at it like okay, I'm 
I like to run or bike or swim and I need to get these basic informations and GPS becomes more and more common in the cars and then the smartphones and, and it works very well at the beginning. But then like, um, you know, back in, let's say 2010, 2011, as Strava started to gain a lot of traction and everyone's really familiar with that as a perfect platform and a great idea to get people to see where they were riding and stuff, you know, you start competing and you're like, you know, this is crazy. Like I started at my car and I ended at my car, but it says my elevation was like 15 feet higher than when I started <laughs> that, you know, I was using it and I was calling my girlfriend to let her know that I'd be home for a certain time for dinner, which was later than I should have been. And it still said that I was moving, you know, and that wasn't bad for basic driving awareness and anything else. But when it came to action sports and competing, it wasn't precise enough. Um, and then to further that, you know, it was basically the speed distance uh, time um, that you get from GPS and uh, originally as windsurfers um, which is the core of our founding partner uh, company um, if you can believe that or not you know the number one question and ultimate bragging right in conversation was you know how high did you go like who jumped higher um, and these are questions that have been plaguing action sports for years. We're all aware of it you watch X games or, or anything else and and you're like you know he went, so high and you're like, I don't know, or he was in the air forever. You're like, well, how long was he in the air? And, and where does that, you know, come in as a, as a quantitative comparison? Um, so that basically got us thinking, you know, what can we do to answer those questions really? Okay. Yeah, I get it. And it provides that, you know, that additional granularity of data. So you can really go back and analyze what you did throughout the, the, the session and, you know, go step by step and play this thing. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Um, let's start with how you got involved with this. I understand you're a windsurfer yourself, right? Yeah. So actually, like, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles and my parents were, uh, were windsurfers on the weekends for fun, but dragging me into it and stuff. And I fell in love with it. And uh, when I, uh, I went to college at UC Davis and during my time there, I started working for Red Bull as a, as a student brand manager and then a little bit afterwards and uh, got more involved in windsurfing and, and moved up to Hood River, Oregon as it's, it's pretty much the mecca for action sports in, in the U.S. and uh, a great windsurf kite destination, uh, mountain biking, kayaking, fishing. You can ski and snowboard all summer. Like everything you can imagine to do, you can do there at world-class level. And uh, I was honestly sampling product um, and was told I needed to meet these guys that had this 3D GPS system. It was called Shadowbox at the time and kind of just changed my life around. I, like I said, I had my dad with a, with a GPS, uh, you know, like a GT11, and you can get some speed readings, but I, I didn't really want to use it uh, very much. It wasn't what I was looking for. And these guys just put a device on my board and showed me how high I could jump and gave me like a 3D visualizer, like a Tron mode of my board, you know, going through the space and doing the tricks. And I was, I was absolutely mind blown, you know, and then it was kind of one of those things, especially in, in our niche action sports where, um, you know, it's hard to really get a good traction and get exposure as a young rider coming out, unless you are dumb luck, uh, you know, with the right sponsors or the right place, or you get good event results really quickly. It's hard to really showcase what the talent is and keep that going um, because the conditions aren't always there. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it gets rained out or the wind doesn't blow or the waves aren't there, and, and it happens in a varying event. So I was always searching for a way to, to kind of change that system and, and give people an opportunity to really showcase what they could do, not just in a contest window. Um, and do it themselves. And this was right around as, as GoPro started to come out and you had POV cameras and, and shifting that 
that idea from you know only a few being able to be captured for what they do to everyone being able to capture it and share that message. And for me, that was that was this data you could go out by yourself and you can show the world what you were able to do. And that that's what got me originally really excited about it um, and giving that extra voice. So so for that kind of changed everything for me and uh, and we started really pursuing this 3D GPS more and that put me in touch with um, with Epic Sessions TV at the time they were doing uh, some of the first live broadcasting of uh, of Jaws on Maui uh, the big wave you know that layered Hamilton surf and now it's constantly everywhere um, big wave surfing um, as well as some of the beaches there um, and giving people the first like tap and this was just as webcasting was coming out you know um, so it was really right at that that really exciting time where you had this technology to track this stuff, but it wasn't really quite directed towards one thing or another. And we were just having fun experimenting what we could do now. Um, so, so that kind of led to this whole idea of, okay, we're going to, we need a device. Um, it can track all the stuff we can broadcast it. So what are we going to do and, and how can it be used? And, and what we wanted to get into was, uh, was competition obviously we wanted to be able to answer how high people could jump and give them that as a basis to balance the subjective voting that we see in all action sports um, so give the judges a little bit of both you can see a trick done but now not only can you appreciate its style and technique but you could also balance that with the amplitude of the rider from one to another and that was really for me what got me the most excited about this product um, so yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think of that piece of it. I just thought, well, this is, you know, personal data where, you know, I'll go on a mountain bike ride or a motorcycle ride and I'll, I'll record that route and come back and drop it into uh, Google Earth. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, went down there and all. I didn't realize that, you know, that area was actually way out there. You know, didn't understand, you know. But like you said, you know, if you can present this this data uh, in real time to the judges at the same time in a, in a competition, it, it adds a, a whole nother aspect of it. Yeah, totally. You know, and that's where we're like, this gap is missing. And like you said, you know, it starts obviously with your small group of friends and it goes out. So you are going on a ride and, and you're not really sure where it was or, or how far you went or how much ground you covered or what was going on. And, and now you have that data there for the first time. So that's cool. Now you're like, all right, well, how can I go faster on that ride? Or, or where did I slow down? Or, or when I came around this corner, you know, like what went wrong? And that's where we started to have all these other elements coming in. And like you said, the the precision of our device in order to capture this 3D motion, you know, we call it um, true motion technology is our is our unique algorithms that are basic that are sport specific to every sport. Um, you look originally at the common if you're in the water and on a flat apparatus or you're basically on land and you're in any sort of slope mode to start. But then from there, each sport is uniquely defined in our algorithms to give you that information. We have not just a GPS, but we also have accelerometer, gyroscope, magnetometer, barometric pressure sensor, um, as well as a CPU on board and two gigabytes of storage. And basically it's sampling what you're doing at up to 400 times a second to really give you more information than you really need to know about <laughs> But it allows you to see and have insight into not only what you did, but how you did it to, to make yourself ride better, um, you know, and really have that training element without having a coach there. It becomes your personal coach in that sense. And that for us is really exciting, you know, because then you can 
analyze what you're doing. You could analyze what others are doing like you to see where the difference is. And again, that's where not just the data, but also this visualizer system, why we call ourselves, you know, a 3D sports visualizer. So you're not just looking at a table of numbers, but you're literally seeing a recreation of what you were doing to help you get to that next level. Um, as well as then, like I said, for our principal uh, purpose for competition so that you had this comparative aspect, you know. Right, right. Yeah, and as you rattle off all of the uh, the measurement devices, the sensors are in this thing. We've got to point out that this is this is smaller than a hockey puck. I'm looking at a picture of it on a surfboard, and this thing's a pretty tiny device that sticks to your board. Absolutely, you know, it's it's we say yeah, smaller than a hockey puck. We say roughly, you know, the size like Oreo sized, and uh, and just to give a rough idea, it weighs I believe it's 1.2 uh, ounces. Though I should probably know a little bit more specifically, but right around there. And uh, you know, the idea is that. This was designed by riders for riders. Like I said, I'm a windsurfer. Um, three of our other founding partners are were professional windsurfers, um, and all of our riders are friends. They're professional kiteboarders, big wave surfers, uh, CT surfers, wakeboarders, top mountain bikers. And you know, the one thing, obviously, you spend all this time reducing weight and efficiency and high end. You're not going to put some big thing on it. Right. Nobody wants it. You know. So first and foremost, the device had to be built strong enough to basically handle any situation you could put it in like you know like taking off and bailing out on a 60 foot wave at jaws and still recording along the way or uh on your bike as you spill off the side but you know also um also be able to track everything that you do um so like you said the form factor is incredibly small and we are constantly trying to make it smaller um in that sense so that it's truly not there um, you know, I go back to this whole competition aspect and, and, you know, we've been around since 2011 and this is our first, uh, what we call wireless device. The one that you're looking at is called the sensor air. Um, our first product was actually called the sensor case. And what it was, was a accessory to an iPhone 4S that clicked into the bottom. Um, and it basically gave the, it had the accelerometer, the gyroscope, the map magnetometer with a greater force resistance so it could track accurately what you're doing through the phone and just like sending out a text message we could send out the data live as well for that competition purpose but as you pointed out with our product now the biggest problem was people didn't want to go around with the phone on them you know so right. you had this balance of, of wanting to exhibit and showcase what was potentially there but also really needed to refine the system so that it stayed out of the way um, and that's where we are now uh, so this device has all the hardware you need to track it, plus it has uh, this current one has uh, Bluetooth low energy on it, so it's able to send out the data to another communication point in real time. Um, so one of our first features that we added immediately was um, integration with uh, Android watches. So anyone that has an Android watch um, can download the sensor app for free on the watch, and while you're riding, um, you land a jump, you can immediately look at your watch and see the height and airtime displayed there in real time. So we're oh, trying that's cool. We're trying to move to understanding, you know, already what people are using um, as we ride ourselves, like a watch or some, or, you know, there are smart glasses coming out that have these communication where you can stream that data to the rider without having them lose sight of what they're doing or focus on. You know, we we're literally in testing, like landing jumps and trying to look at a phone on our arm. <laughs> this doesn't really work. You know, it gets the idea across, but, you know, it's not where we're going. And then it shows, you know, like, you got to start somewhere and work through this stuff and we want to get it out there. And, and that's one of the things that I think separates us as well. Um, you know, it's just how long we've been at it to kind of discover these 
things, get the resource and feedback from the riders and basically do our best to give them what they want and what, what we want, you know, our, right. our biggest critics are ourselves, uh, myself and the rest of our, our field team has a really good time, you know, egging on our engineers and everybody else. Like, come on, guys, you know, like we got to do, oh, shouldn't that work that way? You're like, no, 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 that's not going to fly, you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, did I read somewhere that it actually syncs up to uh, one of the GoPros as well? Yeah, so that was a big one for us. And, and I think it's one of the most uh, exciting features of what we've done, um, you know, as far as not just kind of going down a new sector, but also trying to help um, people with current problems they have with products they love. And, and as I, you know, GoPros are are everyone's best friend, the, the easiest way to capture and share what you're doing by yourself. Um, but it's hard to go back and find those moments necessarily. If you're out for a mountain bike ride and GoPros on your helmet or on the handlebar, you're riding through and you're not clipping it as fast as you can, you know, you've got a three hour ride and and even if you're able to kind of edit manually when you were filming, you know, you still have a lot of extra footage. It's a common problem for people. And they get home and you're like, God, I want to see this or that, but how do I find it? You know, and you're con you're sifting through your footage. Um, so what we've done is use the data basically as a marker uh, to find your highlights. And so what we launched in the spring um, is, uh, is what we call uh, one-touch video, um, which allows you to basically, through our app, you sync your uh, GoPro 4 or session um, to your phone via the Wi-Fi like normal, and you sync our sensor air via Bluetooth. And in our app, you can start and stop the sensor and the GoPro at the same time and go out and ride, leave your phone in the car, whatever. When you're done, you stop the GoPro and the sensor, and right in the app, without downloading any um, footage from the SD card to your computer, you can immediately make highlight clips uh, based on your jump data to start. So it's really, really cool. Like we started doing it and I couldn't believe it actually. It was one of those things like, you know, uh, for anyone that's done engineering and beta testing and stuff and, and, and how, uh, interesting is doing bug fixes and everything, you know, you kind of get like a, a prototype, something you're like, all right, like, let's see if it works the first time, you know, and what the kinks are going to be. But truly this one feature was amazing. I was with a couple of my buddies. We were on the North shore of Maui at, uh, who keep a beach park. It's one of the uh, most famous beaches in the world for windsurfing. And it was a great day, windy, good ways. And I'm like, all right. So I'm in my car and I, I turn on the phone and I turn on the GoPro and I turn on my sensor and they, they all link up and I'm like, all right, I hit the record data and video and the GoPro starts and the sensor starts. I was like, well, that's good. You know, and I, I go out and I go ride and, and I go ride for a half hour and I have uh, like four or five jumps. I come back in and I have it on video. Friends like standing by my car. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, if this works right, we're going to hit the stop, and then we're going to go to the share, and then we're going to go to the one-touch video, and then we're going to say I want uh, my 15-second uh, or 30-second or a minute. Let's go with the 30-second video, and I watched a download taskbar. I was soaking wet, hadn't touched anything. I watched a download taskbar, and it just made me an auto clip of my top three jumps into a 30-second clip that I could immediately save in my photos on my phone or share straight to Facebook or Instagram or mail or text a friend. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, you know? And this was, I think for us, this was a huge thing. And a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people that we've seen to try and get to like seeing data that maybe are more like core style riders, but go out there to capture their video. They're like, wow, like this is saving me tons of time, you know? And that was a big, big thing for us. And personally, it's one of my favorite features of this product. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Like you said, you know, in your example, you get out there and you ride for three hours, you know, three hours worth of video. Who has time to wade through three hours and be like, okay, I think I was maybe 20 minutes into it when I did that awesome thing that I want to capture. You know, you, I don't have three hours to go wade through video to, to figure out. And then you end up tossing it aside, you know, so this allows you to actually use the video that you spent money to, to capture. That's pretty cool. You hit the, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. And that's, I think a lot of the, the return, like people get a GoPro and they're really excited and they want to use it, but then quickly they find they just don't have the time to feed through the footage and find what they want to share and then it just kind of gets put on the side and only brought out occasionally and not really used as much as they'd like and these features help you just grab those special moments and so like i said we started with jump height and airtime for for that aspect but these metrics keep growing for the one touch so you can find these different segments much more easily and that's what that's that's all gopro integration and uh and it's been really huge for us. It's, it's been, you know, one of our best features. And, and personally, he gets the most excited. You know, it's like the data is the data is awesome. You know, it's it's a change in the way people can see action sports and compare and and quantify and give the subjective and objective balance it needed to be there. But as riders, as a rider myself, and, and we always, say, you know, it's like do you want to have an awesome video clip of you or do you want to have like data? You still want to see a sweet video of what you did, you know, like, so to be able to help get that video through the data, like that's a great blend of the two and a really complimentary service. And, and that's what gets us really excited about it. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I see the, the benefit in it. All right. So obviously uh, water sports are not the only thing you can use this in. So what are some good examples of why people, uh, you know, sports that people would want to use this in on top of windsurfing? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, one of our go-tos and, and like you said, I mean, you're not always in the water every day and if you can't be, you know, what other sports you want to do and branching out and, and uh, you know, it's, again, it's much more higher precision than your standard uh, what you get in your phone you go out and ride with strava so one of our other features is that we integrate with a lot of the other um uh apps that are out there currently strava endomoto map my fitness um you can take your sensor data which is more precise than the data acquired on your smartphone and integrate that in and not only that but once you use our platform on my.sensor you get a lot more enriching information um, and a different display which some people like. So you have your color-coded GPS pathways, but above that, what we've done is we've created this visualizer system, which I hit on before, which is basically creating an avatar of the sport that you're doing. And this is that 3D motion visualization idea. So as a biker, you mount it right on the handlebars and you do your run. And when you come in and you're loading your path and you're looking at your, your path on your KML, um, you can load up the 3D replay and you can see everything your bike's doing, pitch, roll, spin, all of it. Um, and this is kind of fun just in general to see, like, as you're going into a turn, like I said, for training, but also nice to link up with video and give that extra kind of HD story to what your ride was was about, you know. So that's pretty exciting for us, um, we find. And, and, again, it also eliminates you to have to use your phone while you're riding or some other device. You know, we have this small, robust tool instead that can serve those purposes and allow you to work with the apps that you currently love and enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that visualizer thing is pretty cool. I mean, you were showing a, showing me a demo before the interview. And what that is, is like you said, you put this thing on your, your board or your, your bike, uh, and it shows you this little avatar that basically spins, flips, rotates, um, and does everything that you did on your bike. So I can imagine, you know, our local bike park in, in Boulder, these guys are launching down some hills and, you know, doing backflips off the jumps. 
to be able to see that in in real time on your file on the, your app or on the the computer um you know on the website where you're showing it would be uh pretty cool no it's a for us that was a big game changer you know it wasn't just uh as i said to you before all uh, right for the interview you know we You've seen data and, I mean, you're talking to top level coaches at the high end trying to work with athletes or just, you know, a couple of groms on the hill and, and, man, no one wants to sit there and look at spreadsheets. I mean, that's what we do in the office all day. You know, you want to have something visually stimulating, something that's intuitive. The more easy it is to consume, the more you want to be in it and the more you can can grow and, and see your training faster. And for us, that's just, that's just visualizing. Like the best way to learn is to have someone video you and watch it and give you the coaching. So we wanted to turn the data into its own virtual video as well. And, and just like you said, you know, if you're a second to get off the ground, but even if you're on the ground and you're going into turns and everything to be able to quantify what, what your lean was into the turn and, and how you're rolled. And if you're leaning back on the bike or forward, or if you're on the snowboard, how you're rotating, if you're going off axis or not, like, I can give you all the X, Y, and Z information at 400 times a second, or I can also give it to you as a snowboard spinning and you can watch it, you know, that way and, and which right. one grasps faster. And we always go back to you. You grasp it a lot faster when you're seeing what you're doing, you know? So that was huge for us. And that's, that's really what got us hooked on a lot of the, the aspects and, and whether it's just yourself training, like I said, or even for competition, you know, to be able to take two riders gear and line it up and show how fast one was rotating over the other and how smooth one landed over the other and anything like that. You know, again, it's just kind of for the first time complementing that subjective with objective quantification. So, yeah, absolutely. Good examples. Okay. So of course the, uh, the question that everybody wants to know, what's the sensor cost? Ah, the sensor right now is uh, two forty nine um, retail, um, and we are you know, working on uh, that was our our one point five uh, version, and uh, we're currently working. I'm sorry, that was our one point version, and we're currently working on uh, on a one point five, which uh, uh, will be released here uh, later in the year or early next year, um, and we'll have some exciting news about that coming up. But uh, don't really have the the exact details honed in for you, but currently it's at two fifty. Um, but that's looking to uh, to drop for the next round. So, All right. yeah, this thing is pretty neat. So, if you guys want to check out the sensor, it's x e n s r dot com. Check them out there. They're also on Facebook and Twitter at the same uh, same name, sensor. So, Casey, right on, man. This looks like an awesome product, and I'm glad you came on and uh, tell us a little bit about it. And I wish you guys luck in the future. We'll have to see how you do, and uh, hopefully, we can turn a few people onto it ourselves. Oh, absolutely. We really appreciate you for uh, having us, Travis. It's been awesome to get to chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely, bud. All right. Well, you have a good evening, and I appreciate you visiting with us. Thanks, dude. Biotropic is a biological sports performance booster supplement created by Craig Dinkle, an Olympic trials athlete, to help him train at higher levels more efficiently in order to gain a competitive edge. All natural and safe, Biotropic packs your body with the highest grade quality of the B-Sweet vitamins, offers blood support, higher oxygen-carrying capabilities, an ATP booster, and vasodilation, which delivers more healthy blood content to hard-working muscles. Craig has the credentials to back it up. 
He twice qualified for the Olympic trials, set four NCAA records, and earned 23 All-Americans. Today, he uses biotropics to help him train in the gym, scramble up mountains, and to prepare for a six-month thru-hike of the Continental Divide Trail. Athletes and exercise enthusiasts, check out Biotropic at biotropiclabs.com, where our listeners can get a deep discount by using the code ADVENTURE. Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for more than 20 years. The snow is melting and the crags are drying out. Time to break out the hiking boots, rock climbing shoes, and tents. Gear materials and designs are more evolved than ever. From the latest ultralight gear to the tried-and-true classics, Bentgate has the premier brands for climbing, hiking, and camping essentials, including Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice on destinations, getting started, or on fine-tuning your quiver of gear? The Bentgate staff are all passionate adventurers who can give you the data and advice you need. Bentgate is also hosting numerous events and speakers this summer, so please check out their events page at bentgate.com for more information as well as to see their full product selection. Congratulations to the Adventure Sports Podcast for 200 episodes from Sarah Williams of the Tough Girl Podcast. On the line with me today is Alex Shirley Smith, and I came across Alex and his company Tensile. And I'll let Alex go into what Tensile is, but just to give you a hint. This is uh, it's the kind of imagine combining a hammock and a tent setup and getting the benefits out of both. So, uh, Alex, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Travis. Nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Good to have you. So let me have you tell our listeners what Tensile is. This is a pretty cool, innovative product I came across, and I was anxious to talk to you. Good. Oh, thanks. Well, um, Tensile, we make uh, portable tree houses, basically. So they're, they're tree tents that are backpackable into, uh, into the wilderness or car camping, as you wish. Um, they're not as light as a hammock. Um, camping solution, but they are a lot more spacious and without any of the um, bent back or squeezed shoulders that you might experience while sleeping in in a hammock and trying to trying to read in a hammock I felt was always a little bit of a challenge because your arms actually start aching as you as you try to keep your um, book uh, open so we developed a, a three tree system which means that uh, you 've got suspension and tension um, creating an almost flat uh, trampoline style floor which is really comfortable to sleep on very spacious and um, uncrowding and also you are able to do it with uh, friends so it's less um, what would you say solitary than hammock camping yeah, I, I get your point on the uh, the squeezing the shoulders. I recently started hammock camping uh, versus sleeping on the ground. And as you get older, you don't really want to sleep on the ground. And you know certain uh, you know certain environments, whether the the 
the terrain be too uh, too hilly or, or rocky. It just becomes a pain to find that spot to set up your tent. So when you discover hammock camping, you can suspend yourself between two trees, and it doesn't really matter. As long as you have those two trees, you can be level. So I come across tensile, and here we have the essentially the floor space, the footprint of a tent, yet it's still suspended up in the air. And I can imagine that's a, an extremely comfortable way to sleep by comparison. You're not squeezed, like you said, but you have uh, you can have your kids in that same tent with you, but you're still up there. So one of my thoughts was how does the uh, how does the tensile um, suspended tent compared to a hammock as far as swaying or rocking or bouncing? Um, and, you know, do you find yourself at all like gravitating to the middle or is it all pretty, you know, so tight that you're actually out there, you know, in your own respective spot? Um, yeah, we've got a, I mean, it is ratcheted very tightly. So it's made out of, um, it's made out of a 40, uh, sorry, 240D polyester floor, um, which is then reinforced with seatbelt webbing around the periphery and also under the floor so that you each have your own sleeping um, segment, as it were. Um, so there's no roll into the other occupants and there's no sway because you're anchored tight um, in three different places. The only thing that there is, is um, if it gets windy, you feel a slight uh, up and down motion, a bit like being maybe on a, a sailing boat or something like that. Very minimal, but you can feel it. I quite like it. It's quite a nice way to be rocked to sleep. It's better than a side to side motion. Um, a little bit of a up and down undulation is <laughs> quite relaxing um so we i mean we get really good feedback um as you say there's more space you can have your kids in there you can put your kids upstairs you can stack them so you can sleep the adults underneath the kids and the kids can have their own tent above you um and there's no limit to how many you can stack above each other um there are floor hatches in many of our models so that you can actually come up through the hatch in the center of each of the tents and then carry on up each level either by stepping up through the levels or by using one of the um by using a rope ladder um, which we sell or you can get locally um all of our sort of fixing points are universal so that's not a problem either um so to to answer your question a little bit of a minimal bounce up and down, but none side to side. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, it would be a soothing bounce from the sounds of it. I like the mm. idea of stacking these things. When I was looking through your site, I had seen um, the the option to stack them. And I was thinking, yeah, that would be great. I mean, kids would obviously see this as a, as a wonderful little fort. And the parents could uh, have their kids near them, but still be separated. You know, you end up with kids on top of you when they're sleeping and they got arms flailing and smacking you in the face <laughs> in the middle of the night. So as a parent, I'm thinking this is perfect. And what I saw was that you can put walls up around it. So as you stack these separate layers that you guys actually sell a wall that, that skirts the whole thing. So it really does make a, a three dimensional fort. So that's a, that's a really neat way to use it for sure. 
Yeah, we, we in fact did that this summer with uh, our kids and all the kids that were camping um, in the site around us. So I think there were about nine kids. They just, I mean, that's where they played all day, every day. Uh, you know, the top level's a spaceship, the bottom level's uh, uh, the jungle or whatever to, to fight the monsters and bats. <laughs> They had a they had a whale of a time, and of, of course you've got the tensioned straps that hold the um, the whole lot in place, which go out horizontally from the tent to the, each of the trees. So you've also got slacklining options built in. Yeah, that is cool. So, what was the inspiration for this setup? I've not seen anything like this before. Well, I come from a treehouse background, studied architecture um, and then um, specialized in treehouses. And the the one thing that always bugged me about treehouses is that you, you spend all this time on a, on a wonderful fort or camp or hideaway. And it just basically sits at the bottom of your garden the whole time. And you kind of dream about having it with you when you go off into the wilderness. So we came up with a solution where you could backpack your treehouse into the wild with you it's a treehouse you can take with you anywhere yeah i love the idea so what are we talking weight wise you know if you talk about people throwing equipment into their packs obviously obviously we're all a little um sensitive on on what we want to carry so what kind of weight are we talking if you want to take the the minimalist setup and i'm not sure if that's that means a one person or a a two person i'm not sure the, the sizes you have so we yeah, we don't do it. We don't do a one person. We just we'll leave that to the hammock industry. <laughs> but um, our, our lightest weight hiking um, setup is uh, seven point five pounds, which is pretty um, uh, doable if you and and understandable if you um, if you kind of come to terms with the fact that these things have got to be ratcheted tight. You can't just sling them between trees like a hammock. They've got right. to be um, you know ratcheted. So you've got this. Uh, two and a half pound ratchet um and the flight which is the two-man hiking version that i'm talking about now only comes with one ratchet so you can just ratchet it in one direction and that will create enough tension for you and your buddy to uh to sleep in comfort anywhere okay yeah that makes sense and then you're talking about sleeping two people so those two people can split up that weight when one guy's taking the straps and the and the ratchet and the other guy's taking the actual platform itself so that doesn't that's not much weight at all yeah Very well cool. we we um we talk a lot to you know seasoned adventurers and and bushcraft people and uh uh, you know, as you say, we've become very weight sensitive in recent years with the advances in material technology and stuff. But um, personally, I would probably always hike in a stingray, which comes in at about 18 pounds. It's a lot of weight, but the amount of space it gives you is, I think, worth it at the end of the long, hard walk. So you get you get your uh, um, not only bedroom up above you but 160 square feet of covered area underneath the tent so you've got plenty of space to put your deck chairs and um equipment and gear all under the tent out of the way of rain Uh, it's a much bigger dry area than you would normally get in any tent system and certainly um bigger than any uh well probably four or five times bigger than most of the hammock um camping solutions that are out there on the market at the moment right right yeah that makes sense 
Okay, so let's go into a little bit um, about what is included in a kit. So when you buy one of these setups, um, what is it you're actually getting? So you get the tent, which consists main, uh, mostly of a floor, a uh, um, very durable, heavyweight material floor, which is PU coated. So you can actually set it up on the ground if you do need to. Um, and those floors and sorry, the tent unit that comes with the floor has all mostly always got an insect mesh built into it so that you are always protected from uh, those kind of critters that try to suck your blood in the, <laughs> in, in the, in the dark. Um, then it comes with a fly sheet that's fully removable in a few colors um, and that can be thrown over the tent and fixed tight um, and pegged out so that you can always have ventilation coming into the tent um, and allowing the condensation to to be carried away. Um, you also get the option to wrap that fly sheet around you if you do get any um, high winds or heavy rain. So you can go into kind of storm protect mode. Um, so it comes with the three ratchets that you need for setup, unless it's the flight model, which comes with one ratchet, um, and three giant pegs so that you can peg out the fly sheet. So you've got the pegs, the ratchets, the straps, the tent itself, and the fly sheet. That's the full system. It all comes um, in one package on, upon purchase, so there aren't any accessories needed. Uh, we do sell some accessories, but that is you know, all up to the end user and how they want to um, set up their camp and, and how they want to configure it. Okay, cool. And what kind of cost are we talking for a, for like a two-man setup? I think you were talking about the flight. Yeah, the flight starts at 350 US dollars. And then we've got the next one up, which is also two-person, but it's much more durable. You can actually sling another hammock underneath the connect so it will sleep three people if you need it to that comes in at 450 then we've got a larger one which is more of a hangout more of a kind of uh group uh day tent uh which is the vista it's really quite big but it's not fully uh weatherproof so we call that two season tent that's the vista comes in at 550 and then the stingray which is our flagship model sleeps three can easily sleep six um covers everyone is huge and comes in at 650 dollars gotcha okay so to be clear um if anyone had missed it basically this three-pointed platform uh straps off to three separate trees so you would put it in the center of three trees and and strap it off uh, ratchet it off like you would a a slack line so you know i'm thinking about here in colorado uh, we end up with dense uh spruce and lodgepole pines um out where I grew up in New England, we would have big oak trees and nice spacious areas. So I guess what I'm getting at is how difficult is it to to find yourself a, an area where the trees are spaced uh, just right? Is it is it quite adjustable depending on uh, your tree spacing? Or I think there's um, certainly a group of people that find it quite difficult to visualize, um, you know, uh, set up positions um for instance i had a phone call from someone in um 
I think they were in Ohio about six months ago, who said, I've got a thousand trees on my property and none of them are the right shape to take your tent. So I'm sending it back. <laughs> now, you know, of course, there's always going to be people like that. But I've, I've, I've never had a problem. If you've got five trees uh, in any one place, you, there is a way to do it. And um, in, in more dense forest or woodland, you can use the smaller versions. But you know, the sting rate isn't that big. If you've got trees that are more than 15, 20, 30 years old, you usually have space between trees that is, uh, you know, wide enough to take even a stingray. Um, they all come with 19 feet uh, lengths, three times 19 feet lengths of um, webbing straps. So as long as your tree trees that you're going to be using are within about five degrees either way um of uh, you know a direct hit then then the tents will work and of course you can adjust the position of the tent within those three tr anchoring trees um to to find its own center of uh central space between those three points uh, whether it be really right up against one of the trees with two longer arms coming out to the other two or even if you've got nothing in um in line you can even put a spare strap between two trees and then come off the center of that strap um to to create your third anchor point Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think from what you've described and what I've seen, it's not too hard to to find a way to hang this thing one way or another. No, it's pretty it's pretty versatile, and you know, ten minutes to set up once you once you know what you're doing. I think it's you know it's 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 a pretty good system. We love it, and I wouldn't sleep in anything else. Very cool. I get it. Okay, so I have to bring up uh, tree camping then um, up at higher elevations. It's something I've come across recently and I was pretty intrigued with the idea. I can imagine, you know, climbing a tree so you get the uh you get that activity involved and basically setting up your platform up higher um to camp up there and waking up in the morning to see the kind of views that you could see from the top of a tree just sounds amazing. So I would imagine and I know you're on your site you guys kind of make sure that you're not really advising people to hang this thing up that high, but I imagine this is useful up at that height if somebody wanted to use it that way well we get lots of people uh, tree climbing schools na uh, national geographic photographers um researchers scientists all kinds of people putting our tents up really high in trees so of course it's possible to do and they're really good um pieces of equipment to do that um of course for the average joe who has no rope access experience and who may not have even very much ratcheting experience um we wouldn't want anyone who doesn't know what they're doing setting up uh higher than um or sorry yeah higher than a, a height safe to kind of fall out of if they have made a mistake so i think for, for sort of general use and the, the most um common lowest common denominator we do say you know we recommend a setup height of about four feet uh, of course if you do know what you're doing then um, you you can set up higher but we say that if you don't know how to do that it probably means you're not qualified to do that 
<laughs> yeah, agreed. It can be done, but just because something can be done doesn't mean you should be. should be doing it. <laughs> I like it. Good way to put it. <laughs> okay. Well, you. Uh, I think you told me these things are uh, available in the States and obviously online from your, your website, right? Yeah. Well, we've got a store in Ogden in Utah, just north of Salt Lake City, which we opened earlier this year. And uh, so we do have boots on the ground in in the states a team of about seven people now taking customer service inquiries and of course we've got a showroom there so if anybody did want to come and see our tree tents in person test them out have a little talk to our staff we're on hand and available for that uh, both by phone i think live chat off the website and in store Oh, very cool. Well, I'm going to have to check these things out for sure. I love this idea. It's such a cool product. So the product, again, is Tensile, T-E-N-T-S-I-L-E, and the website is that same name, Tensile.com. And I imagine you have some Facebook and Instagram presence? Yeah, it's all facebook.com forward slash Tensile, and the rest, you know, follows that. Well, great. Um, same theme. Okay, very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with us. I think this is such a neat product. And uh, we will put the links up under this post and point people in that direction. I hope you guys go out and check this thing out. Very cool. Alex, thanks, yeah, thanks so much for joining me. No worries. Cheers. All right, take care. Bye. Well, there you have it. Hopefully you enjoyed this first episode of the Innovative Outdoor Products series. Do me a favor and leave me some comments below. Let me know if you like it or don't. One thing I'm also working on in addition to the Innovative Product Series is getting some product samples to check out and test and then give away to you guys in various contests. So that should be pretty cool. Keep an eye out for that. Now get out there and try something new. <laughs>